in the world of visual effects, it's a problem-solving field. Visual effects is created, it's really to save time and money and safety. It's really what visual effects is. People think it's, it's about creating amazing things. It's not really about that. It is, but it's not. It's really about creating something that would be impractical, too expensive, or too dangerous to do in real life. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hi, Brad. Brad cannot be with you today. I am his AI voice. Perfect. Actually, if you wouldn't mind passing the baton AI voice to Mike Jones behind the scenes, uh, maybe he could co-host with me today. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mike is unavailable. (laughs) All right. But in all seriousness, Brad, you are staying on. Don't even try to try to get off this call. Uh, We are continuing a conversation uh, with someone we have so much respect for. We are back with John Gress. It's great to have you back, John. Thank you. It's great to be back. So for those that didn't have a chance to tune in last week, you're going to want to listen in to part one. We're really diving into media technology, and we can't wait to hear uh, some new angles in this field. So listen to part one, come back for part two, and we're going to continue the conversation. So you create some of these virtual training simulations for the business world. Can you tell us more about those and why XR is an effective format for those? Yeah, really just on that same train, which is we just did recently a bunch of medical instrumentation. Is it if you told somebody about this, would that sell them on it and they've never seen it before? Mm-hmm. Or if you showed them a picture or then you showed them a video and, and we're kind of progressing this ladder of of relatability as we start. If I tell you about it, you go, oh, well, that sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. If I show you a picture of it, you go, oh, well, that looks pretty good. But if you put your eyes in the scopes and look and see the operation happening, now you're actually there and feeling it and seeing it mm-hmm. and you're you're immersed. So it's it's just a level of immersion that I think is really kind of inevitable at being effective. And one of the things we struggled with is embracing VR but also trying to figure out how do you get that hardware into the hands of students? And then do you expect to get it back at the end of the course or all those kinds of things? How did you overcome that through the VR film school? Interesting. That is probably one of the biggest hurdles that we had. We'll kind of rewind a few years. When I first came in as Dean of Academics at the the Dave School, one of my first big initiatives was to push immersive technologies. This was 2019. And again, as you pointed out, it's a tough sell. It's a really tough sell. And you have a lot of resistance all throughout the whole sort of supply chain of what's the ROI on that? Like, how how do we implement it? And you've got all these all these issues. So I said, well, let's let's step back and let's use it for some things that are sort of soft skill type of things that you Mm -hmm. you wouldn't typically think of using it for but that do have an R, an immediate ROI, such as, how about student, student orientations? An orientation is kind of a weird thing because students have to fly to wherever you are, 
big, it's like a big kind of hurdle to, to get them there. And then once they're there, they're not there to stay. They're there to go back again, start packing so that they come back again, which really doesn't make any sense if you think about it. It's very logistically True. confusing. So I said, why don't we take that step out of it and see if we can raise orientation attendance and see if we can get retention and orientation better by allowing them to appear virtually. So now we also have your question, which is how do we get the how do we get the headsets mm-hmm. in their hands, which was a big hurdle, especially in 2019. And one of the ways that we did it was we just made it part of the tech package. Mm. If you're going to try to implement something, the best way is for them to already have it in their hands. So rather than leaving it to their own devices to do it, we just made it part of the tech package. And what we found was everybody attended orientation. They loved it. It was convenient. They didn't have to make that extra cost and expense of an additional trip. So then we said, okay, what else could we do with this? We said, okay, well, we can also do in the world of any kind of business world or arts world or film world, you have people who are across the ocean on another continent who are experts in this field. And you said, hey, I'd love to get these person as a guest speaker, but I got to pay for their hotel and their travel and find it where it works within their schedule. They could be sitting with their significant other, pop on a headset. They're here with us here on our side of the pond do a presentation where you're talking one-on-one and it feels like you're in the same room with the person, take off their headset and go back to lunch. So we found we could get people for orientations, faculty meetings, guest speakers, student events. One of the things we did that we won one of our first awards for was we did a sci-fi drive-in movie theater and we played a lot of really Mm. bad old 1950s (laughs) sci-fi movie, like public domain sci-fi movies. And uh, Students loved it. We're sitting in 1950 Chevys <laughs> with popcorn and hamburgers, and it's ridiculous. But the students loved it. It was something fresh and new. And most people still had no idea what we were doing or why we were doing it. And then COVID hit. And suddenly the world went into a panic. Everybody went into a tailspin because <laughs> how are we going to do all this stuff now? And guess what? We were already doing it via immersive. We were already doing all these things. So now... We did graduation in VR and we did our film festival where we showed our films. We did that all in a theater in VR and everything we did, we were already doing it. So it just, it makes perfect sense when you think about everything that our, our world is dealing with in terms of ecology and carbon footprint and all these kind of things. And you think about how much popping on a headset, even, even student psychology and stress levels that we see in students these days we see mental health issues and physical health issues and you just think about how many this solves for them where they don't have to leave their family and friends they don't have to quit their job they don't have to move to another place they can pop on a headset and get a level of education and then we go to the next level which is on our wish list how can we provide things that can't really be provided in the real world you can't in the real world in a real film school you can't hand every student a hundred thousand dollar piece of kit just not happening especially if you got 30 students in vr we virtualized everything so we can we can do anything we want so it 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 winds up creating this whole separate kind of new kind of way of thinking where you have to sort of think out of the box on why are people doing digital twins? I always say to people, someone wants to do a digital twin of their office. And there, there are legitimate reasons for it. But I said, if I gave you $10 billion and said, you're going to create any office you want, 
would you create the exact same office that you have now? <laughs> right? Like, why would you do that? So, and that's what this is like. We have the ability to do whatever we want. So really just for someone who likes to play in the land of the imagination for as far as storytelling and, and world creation, this is, this is really very exciting. It's funny. We, we are over the last year started offering courses inside Indiana prisons. And I got a, I got an email the other day from a vendor who proposed the idea of taking VR headsets into the prison for the purpose of instruction. The power of that is unbelievable. When you think about the students that we're working with there and the possibilities that we could create virtually for them. Absolutely. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, it really requires kind of a whole paradigm shift in your thinking because obviously in a scenario like that, there are some great possibilities and then there are some, probably some ethical concerns. Yeah. In the world of visual effects is a problem solving field. Visual effects is created, it's really to save time and money and safety. It's really what visual effects is. People think it's, it's about creating amazing things. It's not really about that. It is, but it's not. It's really about creating something that would be impractical, too expensive, or too mm -hmm. dangerous to do in real life. So if, if we were doing a space scene and we wanted to blow up the International Space Station, we don't want to, but if we, <laughs> if we did with a movie, we wouldn't go to the, the space station. We would have to think of another way of doing it and what's yeah. the, the fastest, cheapest, most practical way of doing that. But then we hit a point where people were doing it so well and it is getting so expensive to do those kind of productions that it's sort of a natural production that things are going to get more efficient and cheaper. And now generative AI pops into the picture <laughs> and we can do things that are, yes, there are people who are going to be very threatened by it and, and it can be threatening. Mm -hmm. Let's you know, be honest about it. At the same time, completely liberating for some mm -hmm. artists, whereas an, as an artist, you come up with an idea for a movie. If I come up with an idea for a movie right now. Now I have to wait for a team of concept artists to draw some stuff that maybe I like, maybe I don't like. And we go through this back and forth pro process, which I've loved my entire life of creating yeah. it. However, it's a hurdle. It's another hurdle that's in your way between from here to your finished product. Whereas now you can pop on mid journey and within 15 minutes, here's my concept art. That doesn't eliminate the entire creation process sure streamlines it yeah. a lot and now when we get to other generative ai and that, it's going to allow artists who never have been able to do anything this is kind of my shift of thinking artists who've never been able to approach it it's going to open up whole new worlds of artists who were their hurdle was those creation process now we're gonna have a whole new wave of steven spielberg's who do things in a much different paradigm and a much different way than previous artists mm -hmm. do yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, being a musician, these are all reoccurring themes, being a, a filmmaker and a, and a musician. I remember in the 80s, musicians going into a complete panic when artists started sampling little pieces of other music and using those to create other pieces of music. And artists at the time were like, you're stealing our music and it's stealing. And these are the exact same conversations we're having today with AI. And people have come to accept those new forms of music as their own legitimate art form. Mm. And I think we're just going to see the same thing happen 
with this. I think I can see the integration of generative AI and education a little bit easier than I can with the VR headset simply because of the hardware that it involves and the turnaround time that it takes to upgrade to the next version and just some of the fears associated with what if there's an upgrade and suddenly our content doesn't mesh well. And then also with that, because we have experimented in this space a little bit, is I feel bad sometimes for the folks that have the vision because they carry so much of the weight. So they have the idea for the content. They have the idea for students. They have the know-all for how to use the hardware, but they might be the only one or one of few at an entire university that have that and end up bearing just so much weight in that change process. And I'm not sure what the answer is. I think I think you kind of alluded to it, which is these technologies like generative AI make this a fluid. I welcome you to come sit in on a session or us to do a tour together. One of the things I think you'll find is we use these technologies very fluidly to be able to create things on the fly. One of the ones we're doing now is we have a generative AI that we sit in one of our uh, prototypes is doing a storyboard. And typically in a film school scenario, students would come up with a story, you'd sit in a classroom, and then they have to go home and draw up thumbnail sketches and storyboards, <laughs> which there is value to all of that. I'm not yeah. taking any other way. But the process now is now two, three classes of waiting for those, those to two. come back at that point. We have a generative AI avatar who comes and stands there with you and we say okay you know what let's do a little boy wakes up and there's going to be an alien outside his room so a little boy is asleep in the room bam there's our first storyboard and we literally go through the whole storyboard process in one class from start to finish and now the next class we're on to actually setting up the scene and be able to create it so to me it just it's like a rocket ship launching us forward in the in the creative process Mm -hmm. And like you said, it to me, it takes the weight off of those people because now any student can just say, I want to create a scene. I'm going to do an art piece and I'm going to do a scene of a yeah. beautiful lake with a mountain and they can just speak it into an existence and now spend their time working on the art form of the, the cinematography or the, yeah. you know. Yeah. <clears throat> So I am very reluctant to ask you this question, but we do have a a magic wand. We have the digital to learn magic wand, and you can wave that as I like to share 95% of the dreams that have been expressed by our guests have come true. We're handing you the magic wand, John. What would be the most amazing thing you would love to see in the future? Well, we're already working towards that, which is, it's a, to me, it's a natural trajectory, a natural progression from where we started with filmmaking to where we are now. And and when when you start to see everything we're working on, we've been working on this trajectory from virtual production all the way up through now. I, if I had a magic one right now, I would fast forward it. And that would be, <laughs> you want to make a movie, you put on a headset, and that's it. You're standing in the studio, you have your cameras, you have your actors, you have your music, and everything you can put on a headset and within a few hours you can come up with a new piece and that and that would form both a visual film type piece it would also be a fully immersive experience where you can create movies that people can experience rather than just watch 
Mm. And yeah. I think we're not that we're not that far from there. We're already doing it in very kind of primitive, wonky kind of ways that we <laughs> when we first started doing animation, we're doing this, like this. It's very much a similar trajectory. Tiffany, I think being inside John's head is a very scary <laughs> place. I just. Probably. Are you? He, yeah, he probably has a VR immersive experience where we get to walk through his brain and visit the various creative centers. And I don't know if you if you guys have seen, but Engage XR did one for uh, Fat Boy Slim, and they did uh, the Fat Boy Slim concert, and you are in his head, and it, it's it's it, it's fantastic. Yeah, you should definitely check that out. I would yeah. love for that to be our show note link. It's just like the link. You know. I'll have to get that from them. Yeah, that'd be great. John, you have blown our minds today. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. I hope you'll join us. Yeah, we, for our listeners, we're going to have links to the Metaverse Film School, the Metaverse Construction Company, to be able to connect with John. But if you're like me, this just brings up more questions and more ideas. We're going to create some opportunities, hopefully, and you'll create opportunities to connect and to keep this conversation moving forward because we do believe that this is the future of higher ed, immersive technology. Mm -hmm. So... Thank you to our listening audience. Thank you, John. Thank you, Brad. And especially thank you to Mike behind the scenes who made this this time together happen. We'll be back next week on the Digital to Learn podcast with a new guest and new topic. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.